0: Hello, welcome back to Return on Character podcast, where I get to meet and interview famous and should be famous people who think character matters in the world. Uh, Today, I have the great honor to be with Pajamir Pagir from Afghanistan. Hello. Nice to see you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me in your show.
0: For those that can't see, she is... Have the I in yeah. a in a room, and uh, it looks like a, it's a university. Are you are you in a university setting right now, or where are you? <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> I am. I, I I'm right now in Virginia Tech.
0: You're at Virginia Tech. Yes. Okay, and you told me before we started, you are 19 years old, correct? Yes. And uh, and you are from Afghanistan.
1: Yeah, absolutely true.
0: <laughs> well. Listeners, what's kind of exciting is, is how does a 19-year-old Afghan woman end up at Virginia, Virginia Tech uh, and, and so busy that she can barely find moments break away to have a conversation with us? We're very lucky, but uh, Hazma, I want to hear your story um, of how you ended up t- at Virginia Tech uh, today. Uh, tell us, Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your Afghan background and your heritage, your family, and all those good things.
1: First of all, thank you for having me again in your show. It's such a be, such an honor to be your guest, um, and thanks to everyone who is watching or listening to the, this interview. It's a very interesting question. Uh, for me, it's, it was a very really long journey to make it from Afghanistan to Virginia. Thing, even I myself have sometimes difficulties believing that I made it. So um, just two years ago, I was in afghanistan when, when the government collapsed, class and when everything with like when chaos happened last year, so in the old chaos I was there and it it was quite an quite of an experience i would say now
0: so what part of the of Afghanistan did you grow up in, and did you have any brothers and sisters?
1: uh yes, I do have siblings. And uh, we are Hazaras. And if you're familiar with, your are like ethnic minorities back in Afghanistan. So we all grew up in Kabul, uh, like mostly grew up in Kabul. And we, prior to the fall of Afghanistan down, we had some challenges in Afghanistan and the way how the government was treating the Hazara people or the Hazara minorities. But if we compare it today versus that time, I wouldn't say that time was such a privilege. Because all we have to do is like to advocate for our rights and then argue for something that's in our favor, like this, something that's equal, equity, and fairness. But right now, there's not even anything changed. Because if you, if you know, if you watched the news last year in, in August, the Taliban seized the power in Afghanistan. And Again, uh, the history of Afghanistan, once again, falling a uh, dark chapter and they, the Taliban's are mastering this hazard people, this hazardous students at every opportunity that they are getting, like bombing these schools that are like, uh, educating the women, the girls, they're like targeting them and they're always targeting like the, the locations that are like hazard dominated. So, like, my, my race of people, my ethnicity of people are in a very really bad kind of circumstances. And it is sad to know that there is no one left in Afghanistan to talk about their rights. There is no United Nations. There is no constitutions. There is nothing. And there is no free media left in Afghanistan to even to cover this monster, this brutality. That's a all of challenges that we are facing. In Afghanistan.
0: My my mentor Joe Ritchie, as a young man, grew up in Afghanistan. And he spent four years of his young of his youth there, and he had a Hazara um, servant uh, in his with his family growing up. And to this day, he holds that gentleman up as one of the greatest men he ever knew, uh, as as almost angelic in his in his in his way of being, um, as I understood it, the Hazaras were traditionally ser- servants of the uh, and I could be wrong here of of the kings and queens or the kings of Afghanistan um, and have a great dis- disposition of of kindness and uh, and the recent massacres that have been happening perpetrated specifically on the Hazara and, women right. Girls, there was a bombing recently?
1: The details are really heartbroken. I I swear I couldn't I couldn't get to the bottom line of the news that I was reading it about. I so heartbroken on the number of the girls that is being killed or murdered and the number of girls that is is being disabled as, as new today. Explosion. And then the lack of support that they are receiving, there is, they are okay. not getting enough medical assistance that they need. So some of them has a higher chance of survival, but because there is no hospital that provides them the, the needs they have, like medical needs they have, they will end up being dying. So that's really sad news. And those who are like even surviving, or they really men, like, medically good? Maybe physically, but not psychologically, not mentally. So it's it's very difficult to sit in a classroom and then there's an explosion. All of your classmates dead, and you you are the only one who survived. So I do feel how how that is the survival kind of guilt. How they're feeling bad about being the only one who survived when all of their friends are gone.
0: So do you have some survivor? You yourself, can you tell us your story, how you got out of Afghanistan?
1: As I mentioned, it's been a long journey for me to make it into and To give you a few backgrounds, my, my father worked for U.S. government and U.S. forces for over a decade. And then when, then when the former Afghan government or Afghanistan government collapsed, and the power with the Taliban seized the power it was difficult for me for my family to live in afghanistan because the Taliban start murdering start executing whoever worked with the us forces with the us government like target killing um and we we knew we have to like skip our house because there's no way that we can survive in afghanistan so we we go to the airport and try to escape through the airport. The airport was the only place to leave against all other places it closed. The borders were closed. They were all under control of the Taliban. And if, if some of you may notice or seen the move in the movies, outside the uh, the Kabul airport was a chaos. There was a crowds of people. Everyone was fighting for their lives. Everyone was. Trying to get into airport and then leave, leave the country, and then on that chaos, I kind of get separated from my parents, from my family, because it was so crowded. People were like pushing, pulling one another, and there were like a massive amount of people. At one point, I had I had this this feeling that I do have lack of oxygen. I cannot breathe, so I had to like make my way out of the browser so I can survive, like I can breathe. When I look back, I I realize that I cannot see my parents. It took me hours to wandering around looking for for a familiar face, looking for my parents, for my family, but there was no track of it. There was thousands, thousands of people. Uh, And you were
0: 17 or 16, roughly, at this time?
1: I was 18.
0: 18, okay.
1: Yes, and then it, it, was, it was heartbroken and I thought that I'm not going to see my parents ever again. And then there was no way that I can contact them with my parents or my family because we all left our house and escaped. And soon after us our house and our car, everything were like being seized by the Taliban. They were like in search of our house for, for my father. And then they couldn't, but they... They take it away every, day. so we we weren't having a specific locations so that we can go all back to some same location and find one another, because my father said that we have to like constantly changing our locations for the rest of our life, as long as we are staying in our hands, and it was difficult because they also destroyed their phones because they don't want to be like tracked by the Taliban, and at that point we had no idea. What kind of technologies and telegons are using? As I mentioned, it was the collapse of Afghanistan government was a shock for all of us. We did not anticipate that would have happened. It was so quickly, so sudden happened. You know, fear was dominating every aspect of your life. You didn't know if they're listening to the phone calls, they're tracking the uh, WhatsApp messages, what they are doing, how they did it. Like it, it was, it was still the questions that everyone was asking it. So, I, and I had this, uh, uh, no way of contacting my parents. And then I received a text message from my colleagues uh, from Asian University for women. Uh, we, we were all students in Bangladesh, but cause of COVID started and the COVID lockdown, if anyone was familiar with it. So we were forced to go back in Afghanistan and attempt to study online. But some of us have difficulties studying online because in Afghanistan, we had lack of electricity because the Torbots were constantly sabotaging the power facility. And we did not have access to a stable internet connection. So without those two components, it was very difficult to, to continue your studies online. But somehow our uh, university was uh, organizing this buses, seven buses to take us to the airport, and then eventually uh, leave the Kabul airport in a charter flight.
0: So, as as I understand it, you're you were in Bangladesh with a group of Afghan students during COVID. Yeah. You were shipped kind of back into America into Afghanistan to do remote studying. How many girls were there total in the uh, the that were moved back to Afghanistan from Bangladesh.
1: Uh, uh, in the beginning, it was uh, around one hundred eighty. One
0: hundred eighty. Okay. Yes. And then, and then, did your parents ever f- get into the uh, into the airbase? Was your Was your father successful in getting out? What happened to them? Mm-hmm. Then we'll go back to the girls.
1: Yes, I'm. Um, I'm so grateful for every everyone who helped my parents. My family, especially to moreriwan organizations they they were they were really generous and kind in helping individuals like my father that been left behind um, so my father did not get to the Kabul airport and did not live through they leave through Kabul. here. Then he again some later through a charter flight from another province because it was it was a really chaos and to get into the Kabul airport and almost impossible because every gates to the Kabul airport was being guarded by the Taliban. It was under Taliban control. So unless they want it, you cannot leave the gates. Yeah, it was.
0: So, Hezema, I, you were, your parents yeah. were trying to get out their own way. You were with your, your, your students from, from Bangladesh that the way you Back women that went to Bangladesh came back to Afghanistan. You're stuck in Kabul. You can't get in uh, to the airport. Um, you have about roughly 180 students, and the Bangladesh group was organizing a way to get you guys out. Uh, is that correct? Tell us what happened. How did that? How did that come to be?
1: Yeah, the initial plan was like we get into the Kabul airport, and then. Leave the Kabul airport through a charter flight that was organized, uh, but the problem was we did not manage to get in the Kabul airport in time. Meantime, like we tried several times over course of seven to eight days. Like we every attempt that we had lasted like twenty four hours, twenty six hours, and we were in these passes. We did not have to food to eat or water to drink or even to use their own straws. So those are like the really essential things that you can, it's difficult to survive but but every chance lasts longer than we anticipated. And we did not manage to pass the gates because all of those gates were, were controlled by the Taliban and they were like not allowing us to to leave or cross the gates to move, to get into Kabul airport. They threatened us if they ever saw us, they were like, shoot us the shooters, without mercy, they're threatening us multiple times. They, um, they beat our driver, the bus driver, they, uh, sh- they, sh- they fire shots at the buses. They did everything uh, in conclusion to create fear, to to discourage us to leaving against. But whoever gets into those buses, we all were cleared. There is no future left in Afghanistan for us. So it was either we're going to die or we're going to leave. But the boat case scenario was far better than leaving under the Taliban rule or under the Taliban down. So we persistently going to the Kabul airport and once they were like forcing us to leave one gate. We would have like circling around the airport trying to get from another uh, gate. How and many was, buses
0: were circling around?
1: Seven buses.
0: So seven buses had to coordinate driving together to various different locations. Yes, <laughs> that that in itself is very chaotic, and they're all full of women. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, they were like full of women, and they're all full of like um, seventeen to twenty-three, twenty-five years old, like maximum. This was like the range of ages that we were in, so we all are like um, young women. In other words, so it it was difficult, and the last time that we tried to leave the Kory through the Kory Airport, I remember that the Taliban let us to pass the first gate, and we were happy that we can well get into Kory Airport, but they did not let us to pass another gate. And one one thing to mention, there was not one gate; there were like several gates that were all being uh, controlled by it. So basically they let us to go through past the one gate, first gate, and then they, we stuck between the two gates of the tower one. And then, uh, um, they keep us there for like few hours. I was getting 1 AM in the morning and I was feeling, starting feeling uncomfortable because it, it's not seems okay to keep us there. And then I could have seen from the window, uh, the past and all other cars, all other buses, uh, they're all like being forced to leave the area. Even those buses that have uh, foreign nationals, like not the Afghans, uh, but the foreign nationals from, for example, European country or Americans, right? um, they were like all being denied or being all for, for, they were, the Taliban were forcing them to leave the area, but for our kids. They just kept all of our seven buses in a row between two of their gates and it, it was one a.m. that they start uh, forcing civilians, people to leave the area as well. Like the individuals that were like hanging around. They start forcing everyone to leave and I, I, I get more uncomfortable because something was my consciousness was keep telling me that something is not right. I think like they were planning to do something and they they, they want no Witness to been left behind. And um, uh, to to give you a quick story, when I was growing up in Afghanistan, we had this history class and we had this history subject that we were reading in our textbooks. And in the Taliban, uh, during the Taliban first regime, or the first time that they seized the power, there were many cases, many histories that a group of people gone missing, a group of village gone missing. They murdered everyone, they, they, they deceived everyone, they, they, their families, their relatives, their friends, never knew that whether they were alive, whether they were dead, what happened to them, where they are. So uh, that was the last That was going
0: thing. through your head. As yeah, this was that happening. was like going through my
1: head. And I was like, I'm not up to this kind of consequences. And then uh, I start um, texting my sister. Her name is Ozada. Uh, she is my personal hero. I, I am truly loving her. She is she is a savior to me. She was in Nebraska, and she was studying a master's degree um, in the University of Nebraska at Omaha at that time. And then I contacted her because she was the only one who I last you know, who I had the contact or I was in contact with. I texted her, and I said, like, okay, this is why is happening and this is going to be the last text message that you'll receive from me. I and mean, she's like, hold on, I'm going to go find help. I was like, oh my God. I did not believe anyone is capable of helping us at that moment. I was absolutely giving it up. A- on I was like, this is like the last text message. This is probably last few minutes of my life. She at least can stay on text message with me and say like, okay, I have a, Headless day, stuff like that. But we all know that for young women in a, in a war situation, in a conflict, the last or the best case scenario is that they are being shot and they are being dead, at least that's dead with the honor. But there are far worse case scenarios that could have happened to women like us. Like we could have been raped by the top one. I still don't know. They, they might have planned it to do. We, we might have, like, been sexually harassed by the Taliban or been forced to, to marry the, the Taliban soldiers. So those are, like, the worst cases that could have happened. Like, a part that they could tell us killing us was far better than all of the other three that I mentioned to you. So, and then she she texted me and said, like, look, uh, my father friends uh, wants to help you. And I was like, what? I I did not know, but as I mentioned, my father worked with the U.S. forces for a very long time and he had a lot of friends uh, from U.S. forces that were like some of them still active working with the U.S. forces, some of them like uh, retired. But the bond, the brotherhood, the friendship was very really strong. Then when my sister approaches them and says, well, my sister and her friends are at the gates of cold.' If you don't help, there is no one else to help. And they all agreed, they all immediately responded to the call to my sister and they immediately get into connection and they they tried their best, the all forces, the all resources they had to help us. And after this day, I'm very grateful to every single one of them for for the bravery, for, for everything that they did for, for me and for my friends. Because of them, we made it to United States. So,
0: but what ended up happening? How did, how did, uh, how would you get from the the no no person or the the Taliban zone into the airport? What what happened?
1: Yeah, um, it's when they contacted me. Um, my father friends, uh, they asked me to to send in some information like live locations and pictures and a lot of a list of they they asked me a list of information and at that time i wasn't sure if i can provide every single piece of information they asked for and it was quite challenging and uh risk
0: because you were doing this while you were sitting in in the bus yes right at in the middle of the night right yeah and the taliban were around you and you didn't know what was going on. And um, you sent the information. What ended up? What did they do with the information? How did you get out of this situation? And how did you? How how were seven buses of women saved and put into the Kabul airport? Uh,
1: uh, I have to say that it was difficult because we were like at worst to not use our cell phones, not to communicate with everyone, anyone because of security risk if the talwan catches us they will like do bad stuff to us like the best case scenario they would have killed us and at that time I had these feelings in me that do I really want to take the risk but then I managed my fear and I said like someone has to do something like we are almost at the end of the story so it's either do or die kind of situation and I said like even if I die at least I fight for it so I sent Information, I take some pictures. I still remember why I was shaking when I was taking those pictures from surrounding to kind of create a situational awareness. And then I send it to all of those information. So I did not know what they did to that information until I made it to United States and I met all of them in person. And then they, they say that how, how every single one of them worked so hard. And then it was not one person particularly, but it was the group work. It was a teamwork. And it was a chain of teamwork, so everyone participated. Everyone did a crucial part, that information that we are being saved. Uh, when I send them them information, they send it to another organizations and that organization send it to another individual. And then that individual, uh, finally sent it to ministry of defense and then someone else contacted the ministry of defense and saying like, okay, this is an emergency situation. These girls need help. They are, that is the last moments of their life, and we need to support them. So finally, the information is being transferred to someone who was in charge, in charge of making decisions and dealing it. And then that, that person released the decision and you are being saved. Up to now, up till, till day, we don't know the, the terms of negotiation between the Alexa you dorm know, and the tall
0: So they had so, to, to negotiate your release.
1: I guess, yes, mm-hmm. it, enough because the Taliban was not letting us to pass is under any other circumstances. And one thing uh, to remind you, it was the day after the, uh, the Kabul airport exclusion, right. uh, the explosion that caused the death of like uh, massive civilians and also like around 13 U.S. servicemen and women the soldiers that they died in Kobli Airport. So our our day was like, it, our releasing or escaping day was the day after that explosion. The day after, people so, were yet,
0: on we, edge.
1: And a lot of things were like, really sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing else to, to remind you, like mm-hmm. the U.S. forces were in the Kobli Airport, they were like ready to sure. evacuate. People who worked with the U.S. government, United States government, and the problem was, no one was showing up and they were thinking that maybe these people are facing fear that not showing up, but the reality was different. Gates were being controlled by the Taliban and the Taliban was not allowing anyone to get and pass the the gates okay. and get into Kabul airport. And they would have said, okay, we don't have problem. No, there are, no one is showing up to leave that gates." So it was a
0: Battle kind
1: and... of miscommunication stuff like that, but Oops.
0: Tell me about the moment whenever, was it in the morning? When, when did you finally get released? When did the buses start to move? And what was the reaction like in the bus? I
1: cannot describe the feelings. I don't know. We were scared. We were frustrated. We were like, uh, we did not have sleep uh, for a long time. So we were not... We we were not quite sure that we are being saved because the buses were start moving and we don't know what they're gonna do. Right. And to, to mention this, we were right in front of like the Ministry of Interior that was turned into the biggest Taliban camp, like biggest military camp for a Taliban soldier. Like our buses were right in front of their uh, biggest military camp, and we were not sure what's gonna happen. Either we are going to be saved or we're gonna go face some some consequences that we never think about. We all know that what the ones are capable of doing it the violence, the brutality, especially towards women, are indescribable. And then, but we eventually made it to Kabul Airport, so it was it's still sleeve, but we were kind of happy. Or I would I would not say happy, but well, I would say positive, we became more positive and we became more hopeful that we, we are going to have a, a future and we're going to survive this. But, but before they letting us to, ca- uh, to get, to pass the final gate, they take away everything we had from us. I got bags, our jobs and everything. The only thing they let us to carry was our passports. And then, um, the biggest challenge was. They take away the two of my friends, uh, taking as a hostage, like bribing them, and then say, like, bringing some unacceptable excuses, like their names are misspelled in the list that we receive, their passwords somewhere or in. We knew that those informations are not acceptable and not logical. And then they they take away and they say, like, we are not letting this trigger to. To go and join you, And the other girls that were in my team, like the other 150 students, they were all happy about the outcome, about, about that they were being saved. And at that moment, I was not ready to leave them, those three girls behind. Cause I knew for sure, for hundred percent sure that anything that could have happened to our entire group, this time is going to happen to them, three girls, hmm. and to be, to be honest. Getting on those passes, trying to leave Afghanistan, I kind of like getting separated from my family. I couldn't do anything for my family. I didn't even know what, where my family is, how they were doing. So I, I wasn't ready to leave these this girls behind. As soon as I get into the Kobler airport, I start um, asking around the soldiers who is the captain, who is the commander, who is in charge in here, and then. They show me the captain and I had to like talk this conversation with this captain and I had to kind of have to convince him that he needs to do something. Mm-hmm. He needs to still uh, go and save those three girls. And then he said he cannot do anything unless he is mm-hmm. being, he received the order uh, from the duty, the Ministry of Defense in United States. And then that's how my mm-hmm. father once again came into the play and they, what they did for or the entire group this time, this they did it for these three girls, and then the same piece of information carried out the same chain of uh, command, and then finally someone released the decisions that those three girls needed to be saved, and this captain go and pick the girls from the tall one, and our those girls rejoin us in the Kabul airport. So I'm Perfect. I'm so grateful for everyone who had this. I I know that they don't know who I am or who, who any one of us was or were, but they helped us because they believed that we are human and we are worth saving. So I'm I'm really grateful for their courage and their, their desire in, in putting themselves in a position to help. So I'm really grateful.
0: So of all the girls that um, got into the airport, you were the only one that fought for those last three girls.
1: It Was kind of the case
0: scenario, active character and courage. Um, that's that's incredible. So, you're tell me about the feeling when the plane lifted off the runway in Kabul and and, and, and left Afghanistan. What was that like for you guys?
1: I will not talk about on behalf of my entire friends because I don't know how about the Afghans, mm-hmm. but. Among our group, I was the last one who was getting into the airport, into the airplane. Mm-hmm. And last few steps that I was taking towards the airplane, I was, I was this feeling that something is holding me back in Afghanistan. And that thing was my family. And I don't know what happened to them, where they are, what's going to happen to them. And I was keep feeling like I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I'm going to leave this, this place. I may, I might never be able to see my parents. I might never be able to find my family and not be able to talk to them. What will happen if the tall Taliban uh, find my parents, my family? What will they do to them? Uh, and I was willing to have this, this fight with my consciousness. The part of me would have said I should get into the airplane and leave Afghanistan. Thing about shichar, about positive it takes that that will happen in our life. And yeah. someone has to survive so that he can narrow this story to other people. So I was, I was bringing reasons for myself to get an airplane and, and leave justifying my decision. But in my heart, I still like, feel like I made a really selfish decision. I still quite am unsatisfied with the decision I made because i I left part of myself in Afghanistan when I get onto the airplane, and that's why I at the beginning, I mentioned to you I was like I had the survival care. I had that guilt for a long time. And although my parents are right now, and my family are the same, they are in United States, it's still, uh, it still, it's so difficult to, to get along with it, to, to you know, to move forward, yeah. as I mentioned to you, because you, you would still, like, remind yourself, it's been a selfish decision to leave those who you love the most behind, so... I think yeah that was
0: the most difficult decision I made in my life well i'm i I had no doubt your parents are proud of your decision and and that's what they would have wanted as well and so he made the right decision should not feel about it but uh thank you for sharing oh. that but that's uh that's an incredible thing to go through. Um, I'm happy to hear your family is okay. Do you get to see them very often? Or? Uh,
1: I haven't managed to see him uh, quite often. Uh, since they moved to United States, I I only visited him once, and it was a few hours. Uh, I, I'm so looking forward to meeting him at the end of my semester and spend time with him.
0: Where are they located? Where? Tell me about where every one of your family is in the, in in America today. Um, You're Virginia Tech.
1: Yes, I'm in Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm in University of Virginia. My yeah. sister also My personal hero. She is also in Virginia. Uh, she is in Northern Virginia, we're like five hours away. And my parents and my younger brother they are in. Pennsylvania,
0: instead mm-hmm. of Pennsylvania. Okay, all right. Well, tell me about what you're doing today, and what's what Matt? What do you what do you care about most today, and 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 how can we help help you and and the things that you want to see happen in Afghanistan and and for the Afghan people.
1: Um, Thank you for asking these questions. Well, no, I'm right now studying scientific and big data analytics. It's like financial technology and data analytics. I'm doing more some minor in computer science, side. And I'm so looking forward to increase my knowledge and skills in artificial intelligence because of what I I have this vision of uh, developing modern financial system, post Taliban Afghanistan. Um, and the reason why I'm doing this is the way I left Afghanistan, the way I was forced to leave Afghanistan, was mutal and an axe. And one of the reasons how the Taliban managed to do this, like managed to seize the power and overthrown the democratic government, was they had this this advantage of using this howless system you are familiar with how is is like based on trust. It existed since like 8th century, and it it's the very old method of uh, it's one part of one piece of like financial system, but it is a crucial piece for countries like Afghanistan. Because through this Hawala system, they're like transferring the money from outside the country to inside the country, and then distributing it among their militia and there, there is no way for the downward to track the movement of the money, the flow in or flow out of the money, uh, or how the money is being in or how money is in circulation or being used in an economy. So it was, it was how they gradually seized the power, gradually uh, increased their own power and, and influence.
0: Is this an sort of electronic system that they're using, no. or is it a cultural exchange. Talk, tell us, explain a little bit more how it works.
1: Well, how well that is. what's happening in how well the Hawala system is, there's two persons, like person A and person B, and then if you want to transfer money from outside to inside the country, what you do is you go to the person A, and you give your money on person, to the person A, and you say, like, I want my money to go to, to the other country that the person B is located. And I want my family, friends, or someone you you mentioned someone name, he or she pick up the money. And then you see there are no physical flow of money and you know, they can like track it down. So it's kind of based on trust. You trust this person, you give your money and then the other person on the other country give the money from your pocket to that person. So it's kind of trust. Hmm. And you do it's for, for Taliban, for terrorist group, it's the best method that they can use to put uh, their monies. For civilian people, for common people, for uh, normal people, it's, it's been a struggle because they, they are being scammed many times because this, this system is very corrupted. Uh, they are being a long fraud that they, they go and trust their money, their little savings to these people and try to send their money to another country, to their, uh, to their children who is trying to get an education or working or doing other stuff, and they cannot do it um, because the person taking their money and the next day then you go, you cannot find that person on that location and the money and the person is gone.
0: So this has inspired you to do what you're doing today and what you want to do, but so tell us about that.
1: I think I'm more motivated to do this thing because I believe yeah. has managed to do lab of modern financial system, especially using artificial intelligence. Yes. We can or we can build a system that is more resilient, transparent, and most important. Is it will be on the control of the government, not a corrupt government, not the government of the Taliban, a democratic government. After like the tall one, like post tall one, the right? like it will be something that the people will have access to, and then they can have their money transferred. They can have their uh, better financial system, like better flow and management of the money, so they are not being corrupted. They are not being. Uh, they are not going to face a lot of struggles. And the good thing is that it's auditable taxable. And and the government can understand that, okay, in a huge amount of money getting into the country or getting out of the country, they can like investigate, they can ask about it, what's going on. So to ensure that terrorist groups like the will never never be able to to grow power through illegal money. And also the the system is the main the main financial method that is being used by human trafficker, sex trafficker, and labor trafficker, and money laundering. So it's, it's essentially the center for all kind of corruptions and crimes. So this, this new system will replace the old system and eventually it will stop the practice of uh, illegal transfer or illegal usage of money and then, and then As soon as you have like something stable in the, in the market, I believe that it will lead to establishment of the stock market in Afghanistan, invest, uh, start by investment in Afghanistan, because we have the control of money and we have the control of money in Afghanistan. So people, Mm -hmm. the government system and they will not investing in outside country just like uh, right now that they are doing or in past 20 years that they were doing. They would rather be inspired to, to invest in Afghanistan. And then economic over time will grow. And then the economy, we have a better economy. We have a better standard of life for human, for people of Afghanistan. So I think at the end, everyone will be better off and everyone will have a better noise. Well, that, that's what I'm inspired. That's why I'm like trying so hard to do this.
0: What year are you in school today?
1: i'm I'm a freshman right now, yeah,
0: you're a freshman,
1: yeah, I changed um, my authentic yeah. It's been
0: have you been able to keep in touch with any of the people or girls that were in the bus with you and where they ended up in the world
1: uh, yes i um, i'm I was in touch with few of them, and then I'm in touch with one of them in you know, a regular basis. They're all doing good, I think they' enjoying their life. Freedom, yeah. that this amazing opportunity that are, that is being given to us. Like we all made it to United States, and right now I I believe all over the United States, like all the states. So a yeah. few of them go to different states, and we are even like, in connections. And I think everyone is enjoying their life. They are they are happy that they are being safe and they are in a safe country, and a country that women are not mistreated. The we were being treated in Afghanistan or under the Taliban, government. And then there, there is, they have, as far as I know, they are all being in school, in universities across the university. So they are continuing to complete their educations. So that's a very really positive and good news. And I'm so happy about that happened.
0: What was it, what was some of the more surprising aspects coming to america for you when you first came because you had never been outside am i right outside of afghanistan prior
1: i was in bangladesh
0: you were in bangladesh correct tell me a little bit about what it was like to come to america and then um, and then something that you think that us americans take for granted that that is, is so abundantly obvious to you that maybe it wouldn't be obvious to us because we live here?
1: I came entirely from a different culture. And the, the, the culture in Afghanistan yeah. is different. The Entirely, the Asian culture yeah. and the South Asian culture was was completely different than mm-hmm. United States culture. So it's kind of challenging, and it's kind of sometimes interesting. Mm-hmm. To see the differences, and then first of all, I still have like difficulties with the language.
0: You do remarkably well I mean uh, I'm a, it's quite extraordinary. I'm assuming you learned English in Afghanistan
1: Well, we right now speaking a formal English, uh, but when I'm trying to hang out with my friends and classmates, they all like, grew up in the United States they, they're using this um, shortcut just using this strange vocabulary and I have to like like pay more attention to it than what they are trying. Yeah. So that's quite a challenge and then I'm very interesting and the way I'm seeing that they are approaching to uh to topics to mm-hmm. problems to challenges. So that's that's kind of a journey. And then yes I do like the American boy. I absolutely mm-hmm. like it. We never had it in Afghanistan or in other
0: The American what? Pie. Pie. Oh, the pie.
1: <laughs> the dessert.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you get a lot of that during Thanksgiving. This is uh, coming up to Thanksgiving. Are you, do you have any plans for Thanksgiving? Are you going to be with Al and his family? or?
1: No, I, I plan to stay in, in dorm uh, with my roommate. She is also an international student. So yeah, we, we we're planning to uh, explore Blacksburg more Yeah the um, the break. It's gonna be fun.
0: How else can, uh, um, how else can people help you, um, and other Afghan women in America today? Is there anything that comes to mind that we can do to, to, help, uh, make your transition and make you successful?
1: For everyone who is listening to this part of the interview, I really, first of all, I thank them for their time, for giving up and listening to this interview. And if you ever want to do something for Afghan women, the least anyone can do is to advocate for them. Like yeah. to send a small text message in your social media or just post it and just share this news about the Afghan women because... Right now, all the Afghan women are being abandoned, in ignored, well, wait, a lot of organizations around the world. So no one is caring about them. No one is caring about their stories or what happened, what's happening to them today in Afghans. So if anyone of you can do to share this news about the Afghan women, about that they are also humans and also they are worthy to, to receive educations and they are Entitled to have free life, that would be the greatest help that anyone can do in sharing this news. And as far as helping other women, if you know the Talmuds are closing these schools, the universities to women, they are not allowed to work or study. So if you are in touch or in connection with any Afghan woman that's still in Afghanistan, and for any possible way, if you can mentor her or can share some resources with her that she can study, she can continue her study in an informal way. That would be a great help because we are trying to educate these women who are being abandoned, they are being ignored by the system. So that would be very helpful. And for me, as always, I'm still trying to raise enough funds for my ongoing education in Virginia Tech. And if you're willing, you're always welcome to donate towards my fund.
0: How do people get in contact with you, well?
1: I'm actively on LinkedIn, so <laughs> that's the best way that anyone can contact me. I also have a website that uh, a lot of information about me is available on the website. They can like, visit the website, and there is a contact information provided, and they can like, get in touch at any time they want.
0: Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Return on Character podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh you know, it's people like you that make the world a better place and we're thrilled to have you um and to know you. Um and I'm a big fan of AVMA and Afghanistan and my heart's broken as to as to the way things went at the end. Um and Afghanistan is oftentimes forgotten. It's in the center of the world and then forgotten. And then in the center of the world, uh, my hope is that we, we do not forget about Afghanistan. Um, and so thank you again for being on the show and um, everybody support Azma as much as you can.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having having me in your show. And thank you all. Thank you for everyone who is listening. And it's my, it's, Asmo
0: like asmo dot like my first name last dot com okay if yeah a s m a and Peggy is p a i g e e r dot com g it's it's with g p a i g e e r right yeah yes. okay good <laughs> all right thank you very much.